Good morning, Christ Point. It's good to see you this morning. I want to welcome those who are watching at home. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. Uh, if you are here this morning and you are new, I want to encourage you, if you would, to take out the card that was sitting on your chair or uh, a chair close by. Uh, you can scan that with your phone, that QR code in the bottom of, of that, and it'll take you to a website online where you can fill out your contact information. If you're looking to take a next step here at Christ Point, if you're interested in finding out more about what's taking place, would uh, encourage you to do that. I love the fact that Jody is working uh, in the back. She's, she's worried that I'm going to forget to dismiss the kids, but I'm not. I'm not going to forget to dismiss the kids. Uh, if you are here this morning and you are kindergarten through fifth grade, you can follow Wes and Jody in the back. Uh, they will take you uh, to a pretty awesome place, and then they will bring you back at the end of the service. So anyways, like I was saying, if you're new to Christ Point, scan that QR code, fill it out. We'd love to know that you were here this morning. If you want to find out what's taking place here in the days ahead, I would encourage you to download the Church Central app, Church Central app, and it'll tell you all of the events that are coming up. Uh, and just a week from yesterday is a slingshot paintball uh, with our high school, middle school uh, guys and our adult dudes that uh, want to take out some aggression and shoot each other uh, with paintballs. We had a really fun time last time. Um, I love getting shot. And uh, we were going to do it again because we had so much fun. And so that's next week. You're going to read about our middle school and high school uh, girls are going to be able to connect at Frankie's Fun Park in the days ahead. Uh, if you're here this morning and you are a lady and you're like, man, I wish there was something for me. All of that sounds really fun. Uh, there is. Uh, women's Bible study starts either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. Uh, they are going through a book by Chip Ingram called The Real Heaven. The Real Heaven, which is better then the fake one. Uh, they're going to study. They're going to study this uh, for a number of weeks with Pam Meyer. She's going to take a great group of ladies uh, through that. And so, if you haven't had an opportunity to sign up yet, I would encourage you uh, to do so. Uh, this morning, we sang a song about our story. This is our story. Uh, this is our song. And I was thinking about that song, and I was thinking about your story and my story, and how all of us who are here this morning have a story. God has invited you uh, into his story, uh, and you personally have a story. And one of the cool things about our stories is that oftentimes God invites other people into them. Like when you look back upon your life, whether your life, if you're like 15 years old or 50, or you're 150, uh, there are probably people who, is, who God has sent along the way to pour into you and invest into you. Um, when I started thinking about that, I was reminded that there is someone uh, here this morning who God has allowed to be a part of our story. Um, last year, after we had uh, closed down shop in March of last year because of the pandemic, uh, we were homeless as a church, and uh, out of uh, the kindness of his heart, uh, Donnie uh, invited us into his house. He invited us to be able to come here uh, and to meet. You don't know this, but um, over the last many months now, um, Donnie has been here most Sunday mornings. Um, I look out over here to my left, and I see Donnie uh, most Sundays making faces at me. Uh, if things are not going well on Sunday morning, I look over, and Donnie gives me one of these. Uh, if I'm talking too loud, or if I'm talking too long on Sunday morning, I'll look over and Donnie will go, land the plane, preacher. 
land the plane. He's been very helpful uh, for me personally, uh, but uh, God has also used him uh, in our church in allowing us to have uh, this temporary home. And so, um, Donnie, I know you're comfortable over there, and I know you usually nap in a couple minutes, but I want to invite you, if you would, uh, to come, because I have a little gift that I want to give to you. Would you be willing to come, Donnie? Or do you want me to come to you? You can, you, I, I know, I, 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 come on. Uh, Donnie, come on, don't be shy. You're on television, Donnie. This is being broadcast around the world. Um, don't, don't be shy, though. I, you know, when I was thinking, what, what could we give a man that literally has everything? I mean, what, what does he really need? And then it occurred to me, an 11 by 14 picture of me. Listen, I'm, I, Donnie, I have the microphone, so I'm going to do the jokes, okay? Um, no, Donnie, we, uh, we wanted to present you with this, with this picture. It's our uh, service from, from Easter Sunday. It's a picture of the barn and, and God's people who had, had gathered here, and we just want you to be able to remember uh, this season where you invited us into your home. And so I want to let you know that we give thanks to God for you and uh, allowing us to be a part of your story. Thank you. You're welcome, Donnie. Give Donnie a hand. You are, Donnie. Donnie said, you all are a blessing, and he meant you all, not me. Uh, love you, Donnie. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please uh, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and I want to read beginning in verse 9, Colossians chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 9. If you don't have a copy of the scripture, the passage will be up on the screen and you can follow along with me. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, Paul writes to the church at Colossae and says, And so, uh, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Would you pray with me? Why don't you take a moment this morning and uh, you pray for you. You know you better than I know you, and so pray that God uh, would work in your heart and in your life this morning. You pray for you. And if you would be so bold and so kind, would you pray for me? I pray that I would be clear and helpful this morning as I seek to point you and to me to Jesus. Father God, we thank you so much for uh, loving us. Thank you that you uh, have spoken, uh, that you've given to us your word, which points us to you. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide this morning as we open up your word. I pray that you would use it to form, uh, shape, and change us into the people that you've called us to be. God, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Paul is praying for the church at 
Colossae, and he is praying for you, and he's praying for me. Uh, And his prayer is that we would know the will of God. Have you ever wanted to know the will of God before? I, I have. Sometimes when we talk about God's will, it's very obvious to us. Like if you're driving on the highway and someone cuts you off and you get mad and you say out loud, I could just kill him. Don't. That's that's not God's will. Uh, If you're a tired mother of a toddler or maybe a teenager and you have said out loud, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Don't. (laughs) That's, That's not God's will. Uh, Maybe there's something that you've seen that you wanted that you couldn't have. Maybe it was something small, a little toy or a trinket, a a device. Maybe it was something a little larger like a car or a house. And you said to yourself, oh, I would do anything to have that. Don't. (laughs) Don't do anything to have that. That clearly is not God's will. However, Uh, When we talk about God's will and desiring to know God's will, oftentimes uh, what we mean is we want to know what God wants us to do in the daily decisions in life. We want Him uh, to give us insight into whom we should date or marry or where we should work or where we should live. Oftentimes when we talk about knowing the will of God, we talk about it in that kind of context. And yet what's interesting is that when Paul writes to the church at Colossae, he's talking to them about the will of God more in a kind of a macro level than a micro level. Uh, He's giving them kind of a big picture of what does it look like uh, to know the will of God. In fact, in these few verses, the Apostle Paul is going to make a request of God. Uh, He is going to give the reason for the request, and then he's going to talk about the results of the request that he makes. So there's a request that we're going to read about. I just mentioned it a moment ago. There's going to be a reason for the request. And then Paul's going to talk about the results of making the request that he does. And so what is the request that Paul makes? What does he ask God for uh, when he remembers the church at Colossae? Well, it says in verse 9, And from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What is the request that Paul makes? That we would know God's will. That we would know God's will for our lives. What's interesting here, though, is when Paul talks about uh, God's will, I don't think he's speaking specifically about the answers to our daily decisions. Um, Certainly those are important. God cares about those. Uh, But instead, I think Paul is talking about us knowing uh, the heart of God. I love what one theologian said when he wrote about this passage. He said, the knowledge of God's will is more than simply an insight into how God wants his people to behave. It is an understanding of God's whole saving purpose in Christ, and hence a knowledge of God himself. Uh, Paul prays to God the Father for the church, and he says, God, I want the church uh, to know you. I want the church to know the heart of a father. We see this in other places in Scripture. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge 
of Him. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So Paul is praying for the church, and he is praying for you and me if we are a part of the church. And he says, I want you to know God. I, w- I want you to know who he is, to know his character, and to know his heart. That is his prayer uh, for you and for me. And then he gives us the reason that he's praying the prayer in verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And I want you to know the will of God. I want you to know the heart of the Father uh, so that you can walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to God. Now, theologically, it is true of God's children that we are pleasing to God uh, because when God looks upon us, he sees the goodness and the righteousness of Jesus. So on one hand, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've trusted in Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, you're a child of God and you are pleasing uh, to your Father. That is true. Uh, And it is also true uh, that we uh, can be knuckleheads, right? We can do and say and think things that are not pleasing to God. And so Paul prays for the church and says, I want them to know you, God. I want them to know the heart of a father so that they may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing uh, to Him. You know, oftentimes when we think about God's will and knowing the will of God, we think about it in the context of what I should do. And yet, I think a better question to ask is who should I become? Not simply what I should do in this area of life, But who is God calling me to become? Who who does he want me to be? And so, uh, maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, what does that look like? Uh, Because I've got some decisions to make. (laughs) I mean, there are things every day that I have to decide, like where I should work or where I should live or who I should date or where I should go or how I should spend the resources that God's given to me. All of us face decisions. And so what does it look like for us to make decisions and think about the person that we're becoming and not primarily what we are doing. And so I started thinking about this, and I want to share with you a personal story uh, from my life of a decision that we made as a family a handful of years ago, and I'll share with you how uh, it, it looked a little different than I thought it would. Uh, a number of years ago, Melissa and I uh, lived in Highland Creek, Uh, Believe it or not, from uh, the new land that we are uh, in the process of purchasing, uh, you can see our old backyard. I mean, how cool is that? I stand on the land and I'm like, oh, we used to live right there. Um, That would have been an easy commute. Uh, However, uh, we thought a number of years ago, really two things. We thought our family's growing. Uh, We had three children and we had a three-bedroom house. And I, and I tell people I was afraid that our boys who were sharing a room would eventually be like little betta fish um, that you put in the same bowl and sort of fight to death. And so we thought, hey, it might be a good idea to have an extra place uh, to put one of them. I don't know how spiritual that is, but we were just like, we would like an extra bedroom. 
Uh, and we had done some research, and we decided as a family, we think we want our children to be able to attend a particular school district. And so we pulled out the map, and we did our research. We prayed like crazy. Uh, we sought wisdom. Uh, we prayed some more. We sought more wisdom. We did our research. And that process, we did about 1,787 times because we don't make rash decisions. And we wanted to make sure we were doing what was right. And so sure enough, we decided to sell our house and to move. We found a new home, and it checked all of the boxes. Uh, there was more space. Uh, it was in the school district that we desired. And we thought, ooh, our little plan is working. And we were happy for a year. And then Cabarrus County, unbeknownst to us, without personally asking us what we wanted for our lives, uh, made a decision um, to redistrict, like to redraw the lines. And I wanted to tell them, you don't understand. We moved on this particular side of the road um, for a reason, but they didn't seem to care. And so <laughs> I started questioning my ability uh, to make wise decisions. I thought to myself, Lord, did I, did I miss something? Like, wasn't this your will? Didn't you want us to do this? I mean, we had prayed about it. We sought counsel. We prayed about it some more. We sought more counsel. We prayed about it some more. We sought more counsel. And things weren't playing out the way that we had planned. You know, I, I still occasionally will think back to that decision and, and think to myself, did we miss it? Like, Did I, did I somehow uh, miss uh, the will of God? The more I think about it, um, the more I'm challenged to ask myself a different question. And, and the question is not, did I somehow miss the will of God? Did I somehow not miss the signs that were clearly there? Um, instead, I'm asking myself questions like these. Um, James, um, are you loving your current neighbors well? Like in, in, in the place where God has placed you, are you loving the people who live next door to you? I'm asking myself questions like, James, um, are you practicing hospitality with God's house? Are, are you inviting other people uh, to your table? Um, those questions, I, th I think, heart-driven questions. They're, they're, they're James, who are you becoming type questions, and not only James, what are you doing type questions. And so I wonder in, in your life and in my life, when we think about God's will, if we shouldn't start asking ourselves um, different questions. Like maybe this morning, uh, with your work, you are wrestling and knowing God's will and whether or not you should stay or go. Like, should you stay where you are or should you tap out? Those are understandable questions to ask. I'm not saying they're not important questions to ask. But maybe other questions we could ask are questions like, am I responding to my frustration in a way that represents Jesus well? In, in the place where God has put me. 
Uh, am I faithful to the task that God has called me to, even when my role seems thankless? What is God teaching me about myself and about Him as I wrestle with my current condition? Those questions are heart questions. Maybe with a college decision, maybe you're a year away or two years or three years or four years away from college, and you're thinking to yourself, should I go to UNC or UNCC? Like, should I go in-state or out-of-state? Should I live with my parents or should I fly the coop? And I wonder, not that those questions aren't important, but if it wouldn't be wise to ask ourselves questions like, what would it look like for me to represent Jesus well on this campus? Um, how is God using this place to form and shape me uh, to be like Jesus? Maybe with our spending, instead of thinking about um, what we can purchase or what we can buy or what we can have, we start asking questions like, how can I use um, God's resources, the resources entrusted to me, uh, to show others that I value kingdom advancement? Maybe we could ask a question like, how can I spend in a way that tangibly demonstrates a love for God and a love for people? Um, those questions, I think, are heart-driven questions and not only um, what should I do type questions. Right? So, so Paul uh, prays for the church and for you and me and says, I want you to know the heart of the Father. I want, you to, I want you to know God. And the reason I want you to know God is, is not so that you'll just have some sort of intellectual knowledge or so that you'll be smart, but so that you would live a life that is pleasing to Him, so that you would walk uh, with God, fully pleasing to the Lord. Paul makes a request. I want the church to know God's will. He gives a reason so that you may walk in a way that's pleasing to God. And then he's going to talk about uh, the results or the overflow of what it looks like to live that sort of life. But he kind of paints a picture of what God's people can expect uh, as we live this life that's pleasing to God, having a knowledge of who God is. He says in verse 10 that we might be bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience uh, with joy. Uh, he's going to say in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I just want to look at those first two this morning. We're going to look at the third one in a couple weeks. But the, the first two are the overflow of a life that's pleasing to God is that we would be bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, bearing fruit in every good work. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read um, bearing fruit in every good work, it's just natural for me to think about uh, what I perceive to be good works, um, good, good deeds. Scripture would teach us that a good work is a work that is done in faith. We talked about this in our, in our men's group the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I have a tendency to just naturally think about the things that we do as being good works. If you give to a church or a ministry or a nonprofit, 
Um, that, that's a good work. Or if you volunteer your time, if you use the gifts that God's uh, given to you, the things that he's equipped you with to serve others, that's a good work. If you uh, bring in your neighbor's trash cans while they're on vacation, or if you uh, mow their lawn, or if you bring groceries to someone who is homebound, then, then that's a good work. If you pay it forward, um, that that's a good work. And those all uh, can be good works. But I, I think something that's important for us to remember this morning is that our good works uh, flow out of uh, who we are. Uh, they flow out of our heart for God. Uh, an apple tree that's healthy and flourishing is going to produce fruit, is going to produce apples. Um, but you don't necessarily focus in on the production of apples, you focus in on the healthy tree, knowing that the healthy tree is going to spring forth fruit. Uh, last week, I had an opportunity to speak with a number of 14, 18-year-old kids in East Charlotte. Uh, Cademan is part of this organization called One Seven, and every Wednesday, um, the director there, David, he lets me uh, come and yell at the kids for like 10 minutes. And it's the highlight of my week. I love it. These kids are from like all over, uh, all over the world. Uh, stories very different than my story and maybe very different uh, from your story. And so this last Wednesday, uh, I came to them and I was talking to them about uh, the, the deadliest weapon on the planet, right? The deadliest, most dangerous weapon on the planet. That was my sort of my big idea. And we went through human history and talked about all the deadly weapons from like uh, a stick with a stone on the end of it in the Bronze Age, to, uh, to like a bow and arrow, to swords, to machine guns, and I kind of took them through all this, and I said, all of those, why, uh, while deadly, are not the deadliest weapon on the planet. Uh, the deadliest weapon on the planet is actually something that you, you all possess, and it is the tongue. Uh, and, and I took them to, to James uh, chapter 3, and I just read, uh, I, I read them a passage from, uh, from James chapter 3 that talks about um, the, the power of the tongue and how the tongue is a small member of the body, but like a ship with a rudder that can steer a large ship. That's how our tongue is. Our tongue guides us and directs us. The tongue is like a spark that can light a wildfire. With our tongues, we, we praise the God that made us and we curse the people that God made. And think about the, the power of the tongue. And so I, I wanted them to, to think about how their words can breathe life into people or uh, can take life, can tear people down. And so I, so I shared with them this, this story. Um, but, but as I was speaking to them, I, I thought, you know, it would be unfortunate if their takeaway from that talk was simply like, I need to watch my words. Um, they should watch their words. We should watch our words. But the Bible teaches us that our words flow out of our hearts. Out of the overflow of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks. Sometimes when you read a story about someone who said something inappropriate and got in trouble for it, um, they will give an apology and they will say things like, um, I need to remove that word from my vocabulary. Yes, uh, that's probably wise. Uh, but the reality is, is the words that come out of our mouths reflect who we are. And so I told them, we don't simply need to correct our words, 
uh, we need God to breathe life into our hearts. Because out of the heart, um, the mouth speaks. Now, I, I share that to say our fruit in good works is just simply an overflow of our hearts. It's a reflection of who God has called us to be and made us to be. And so when Paul writes to the church at Colossae and says, I want you to know the heart of the Father, I want you to know His will so, so that you would live a life pleasing to Him, uh, bearing fruit um, with good works, he's saying, I want your life uh, to reflect who you are. And, and then he gives a, a second thing or a second mark of this life um, that we live that's a result of us knowing God's will and doing God's will. He says in verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And can I ask you a question this morning? Uh, where does the power come uh, to live the Christian life? Where does the strength come uh, to live a life that's pleasing to God? I think if most of us were honest, we would say that the strength comes from within. At least functionally, sometimes that's how we act, or maybe I should say um, that's how I act. I have a mentality that says if it's meant to be, uh, it's up to me. Right? If I want to walk with God, if I want to live a life that's pleasing to God, I sort of need to get my act together. Right? I, need to, I need to discipline myself. It's, it's a kind of this pursuit of, of determination and self-will. And I need to get my stuff in order. It's similar to how I feel when I uh, tell myself, James, you need to get in shape. Whenever I reach a point in life where I say, James, you need to get in shape, I, I make a determination. I decide I'm going to eat healthy and I'm going to exercise. And so I, I stand back and I, and I make my plan and I write it down and I commit to exercising eight days a week. Eight, because I need it. And I, and, I, and I make a decision. I'm decisive. I say, James, do not eat carbs, sugar, dairy, grains, fat, or food. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to discipline myself. This is the kind of life that I'm going to live. And I wake up the next morning and I think to myself, James, start the day right. Eat a healthy breakfast. No, no, James, fast from breakfast. Intermittent fasting. Everyone's doing it. It's all the rage. Uh, don't eat anything until lunch. And so lunch rolls around at like 10. And I'm famished. And I'm like, I've got to eat something. And so I will eat something. And then about one or two, I'm hungry again because I skipped breakfast. And so I say to myself, James, this is a great time for second lunch. And so then I'll have second lunch, and four o'clock will roll around, and it's not quite dinner time yet, but I'm hungry. And so I'll have a sensible snack uh, to hold me over to dinner. And then I'll eat dinner, and then about eight o'clock, I'm thinking to myself, James, you should wash it all down with a bowl of cereal, because you're still a little hungry. And so I'll have a bowl of cereal, and then I'll think to myself, that did not go as planned. Right? In my mind, I was going to discipline myself to live this sort of life. Uh, and I feel like I failed. And so I go to bed and I think to myself, I'm going to do it all over again the next day. And I think sometimes that's how we live the Christian life. 
we say to ourselves, boy, I, f- I feel like I should be further along now. And so I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to read the Bible for an hour and I'm going to pray for an, for an hour and I'm going to journal for an hour and I'm going to spend an hour with Jesus just thinking about it. And then I'm going to go to work. And life doesn't always go the way that we plan. And it doesn't look like that. And so we think to ourselves, I guess I'll try harder the next day. Um, but, but willpower, uh, self-will and determination is not how God has called us to live the Christian life. That, that's not the fuel that energizes us. Did you see the fuel that energizes the Christian? Did you read it? Now, Paul talks about it in Colossians chapter 1. I want to read the passage again, and I want you to notice in verse 11. It says, And so from this day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all of endurance and patience with joy. What is the fuel that powers the Christian life? Um, It is uh, the power of God, the power of God. We are being strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might. That is the fuel that causes us and allows us to walk with God. Maybe you hear that and you think to yourself, That's well and good, but I still don't know what that looks like. I mean, practically, don't I discipline myself? Yes. Don't don't I still move and act? Yes. (laughs) Shouldn't I still practice the spiritual disciplines? Yes. Doesn't the Christian life still involve effort? Yes. All of those are true. Um, But but I think what this looks like is us uh, getting up in uh, the morning and saying to God, God, uh, change me. God, you, you change me. I have such a fickle heart. I'm so distracted. Uh, God, would you help me? Would you help me? God, if you don't help me, if you don't show up, I am lost. I need you to help me. God, would you work in me? I can't do this on my own. I can't change my affections and my desires. Uh, God, work in me. God, would you meet with me? Would you be near to me? God, would you empower me? This is the fuel that, that powers uh, the Christian life. We admit our need and we invite God to do what only God can do. We are a desperate people because we, uh, Paul says, we, we want God to empower us for endurance and patience with joy. We, we want to run uh, the race, the Christian life. We want to live the Christian life with endurance. We want to be long-distance runners. We don't want to be sprinters for Jesus. Right? We, we, we don't want to come out of the gate with energy and with gusto and, and be good for a day and a half. We, we want fuel for a lifetime. More and more, as I get older, I think to myself, God, give me endurance in the Christian life. Right? Because there's too many people that I know and love or read or follow that, that I see tap out and I say, God, you got to hold on to me. I want Uh, endurance. Winston Churchill, when he was invited later in life back to his alma mater, he was uh, preparing himself to speak uh, to the students in Britain, and he stood, all five foot five inches of him, 
uh, in front of the students on this little platform, and everyone waited with bated breath to hear uh, what he would say. They had come to hear uh, the wisdom of Sir Winston Churchill, and he simply said this uh, to the young men. He said, young gentlemen, never give up, uh, never give up, never give up, never, never, never. And then he sat down. That is a short message (laughs) and to the point. But he is saying, endure, endure. This is our prayer that we would endure and we would do so with patience. And we need patience because oftentimes we lack patience. We want God. We need God to show up in our lives. All of us are a work in progress. I love the tombstone of Ruth Bell Graham. Her tombstone, if you have ever had a chance to go to the Billy Graham Library and you were to look at it, it simply reads, end of construction, thank you for your patience. I love that. Right? We're all desperate uh, for patience with each other and uh, with us. So Christ's point, uh, my prayer for you uh, this morning is that um, you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding uh, so that you and me, we would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, uh, fully pleasing to God, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Amen. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, that is uh, our longing for, uh, for us, for uh, your people, that we would uh, know your heart, uh, that we would know your will, that we would know you, and that in knowing you, we would live uh, lives fully uh, pleasing uh, to you. God, I pray that you would, uh, by the power of uh, your spirit, uh, strengthen us. Uh, We need you uh, to move and act in our hearts and lives to be the people that you've called us to be. And so I pray that you would do it for your name's sake. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. Uh, Phil's going to come and share with you a quick update, financial update, and an update about land. And so if you could give us two more minutes. Uh, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, good morning, y'all. All right, students, we're meeting after here to have a lot of fun, so uh, don't leave. So uh, periodically, we want to share an update with our body of how we're doing. If you remember, remember back to the beginning of the year, uh, to point people to Jesus, we said our four priorities this year was an, around an acronym LEAD, right? The, the L was for LAND. The E was for empowering leaders. The A was for authentic community. And the D was dependent prayer. And so, uh, so, so today we want to share a part of that, the land and a financial update with you guys. And so I'll share an update on land. I'll share a little update on our general giving and also our home giving as well. And so um, if you guys remember, right out here off of Ridge Road, uh, we actually signed a contract on six and a half acres uh, mid-March. And so we have 90 days due diligence right now. And so we are 30 days in that. We just met with the city last week, city of Charlotte, and there were no red flags. Praise God, right? So we continue to move forward. So in the next, in the next 60 days, so mid-June, we should be owners of uh, six and a half acres right off Ridge Road. So we're going to continue to do that. So give that a hand, right? Praise God. 
So God continues to be faithful there as we continue to move and take those steps. Our general fund, our, our general giving, we budget this year to operate all of our Christ Point at $33,000 giving on a monthly basis. So through the first three months of this year, uh, God has brought to us $38,000. So we're $5,000 ahead each month, and so praise God for that. Praise God. And if you remember back, too, we said in addition to that, we didn't want to take anything away from what we were doing at Christ Point, but to, to get the land, we needed an extra $7,500 per month. And so our body committed to, when it all came in, $9,800 additional for this year. How about that? Praise God. And so far, $23,000 has come in of the 118,000 additional committed to this year. So, I mean, God continues to move, and we praise God for all of that. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to be here back, back next week at 1030. So that's just one update. We'll continue to do this probably on a monthly basis just to keep you guys abreast. So um, we'll see you next week.